It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is happening and welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Monday, May 21st. And like Steph Curry, I will point out, this is my effing podcast. It's your boy Matt Shook, an AP freelancer in Chicago covering the NBA, Pistons follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Today, talking about the amazing conference final series as they're going on, just blowout after blowout of NBA action. Another nice win. I mean, we got the Pistons who are such a floundering franchise. All we're asking for is some good playoff games, and we're not getting them. Just an angry Pistons fan here that's uh, not happy about how this is unfolding here in May and June, what's supposed to be kind of the best time of the year for NBA basketball. But some good news, another nice win for the Pistons GT team over the weekend. We'll have the details on that. We'll also be hearing from one of the local prospects from the state of Michigan, Mo Wagner from the Michigan Wolverines. We'll have equal time for the Spartans and Wolverines. We listened to Miles Bridges on, on Friday's podcast, and uh, we'll have better audio this time, I promise, for Mo Wagner and the uh, Wolverines. And the Pistons playoff playback today will be going back to 1989 when Michael Jordan made a statement in his first playoff game at the Palace of Auburn Hills. But if you're following the, the conference finals and if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you are, you should be listening to Lockdown Warriors, Lockdown Rockets, Cavs, Celtics, and the Lockdown NBA shows as well. Everything you need to know about those teams that are still alive in the conference finals. But another yawner over the weekend for both of the series in the conference finals, Saturday and Sunday. The Cavs rolled the Celtics on Saturday night. The Warriors then killed the Rockets on Sunday. Pretty predictable in some ways. I did say on Twitter during the Cavs game that maybe let's just make these five-game series, uh, best of five, because it's like they feel each other out for the first four, um, especially in this Eastern Conference series. You kind of could see the, the the Cavs probably winning tonight, and then it gets serious for game five back in Boston. That's never going to happen. They're never going to shorten back to uh, best of five. Like they used to have the first round uh, several years back, but you know, they're staying best of seven, but it's just, it just gets kind of old. To, and, it, and it really, it kind of maybe it predates them, but it started with the going to work Pistons in a little bit with the, the on off switch that they had towards the end of their run. Not when they were the championship type team that rolled through a lot of the playoff teams, but when they were, when they got better, some of those LeBron series, some of those other series were that they had a game in the playoffs that they didn't necessarily need. They wouldn't really bring it as much. And so uh, if it ain't rough, it ain't right, was Rasheed Wallace's quote. So maybe the Pistons are responsible for some of it. But it's good that the NBA doesn't rely so much on the championship rounds and who the champion is. I mean, the sport relies so much on the things about the game that aren't 
aren't necessarily about that on-court competition. You know, the Twitter chatter, the highlights, the the uh, off-season free agency, the trade deadline, the draft. Like, there's all these things that are going on, the rumor mill, the salary cap, you know, these things that we like to talk about when we argue about the league or talk about the league. And if it were just about the conference finals and the finals, the last couple of years would have been a huge disappointment. But, of course, it's a, it's a drama of a season. We remember the uh, the MVP arguments, the All-Star game debates, the, the you know, random big nights that guys like Giannis or Drummond's 2020s or whatever it is. Like, these things that we remember that aren't necessarily about the teams. Because if it was just these Warriors kind of rolling everyone and, and winning a bunch of championships over the last few years and LeBron getting there and, and just getting pretty manhandled these last few years, except for 16, obviously, um, it would be kind of very uninteresting as, uh, as these last couple of weeks have been, in my opinion. If you were banking on this year's playoffs, kind of delivering in terms of drama at the end of the season, then you were pretty mistaken, and uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, by the way. Just like last year with the, the boring playoffs they produced. And, of course, I know you've probably tired of hearing about it, but I blame Kevin Durant. He's public enemy number one in my mind for why late May and June have been so uninteresting lately. Um, everyone else has moved on from that. I mean, nobody even talks about the fact that the best player, you know, one of the best five or three or two possibly players in the world joined the 73-9 and nine Warriors, and uh, there's no reason to ever be surprised that um, not only did the Oklahoma City Thunder instantly become a non-factor from the fact that they looked like they were in position to probably win the title the year before he left, but then um, Durant joins the Warriors, and you know how it is. The rest is history, and we've got a couple of boring NBA finals to uh, to account for, as is what my prediction of the second one will be uh, here in these next couple weeks. But on Sunday, it was the Warriors 126-85, a 41-point win. Uh, you know, yawn there, I guess. Steph Curry shook off his mini slump. He had 35 points, including an 18-point explosion in the third quarter after he Struggled again, really, at times in the first half, missing some open three-pointers. And after he knocked down one of them in the third quarter, he yells out, this is my effing house. He uh, didn't say effing, though. But uh, a strong performance and uh, really you could see that he could was brushing off the cobwebs a little bit there. And it was more than just a, a couple big baskets for him in the fourth quarter that maybe he's getting them through the wall or breaking through the hump or something like that. Getting over the hump, I guess, is the correct cliche for that. But Kevin Durant... 25 points, Draymond Green, 10 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists. James Harden had 20 and 9 assists. Chris Paul, 13 and 10 rebounds, but bad shooting for the two star guards from the Houston Rockets. That series will continue in Oakland on Tuesday night with Game 4 as the Rockets are now the desperate team. they got to win a road game to bring it back to Houston at 2-2, two to two, or the uh, Warriors obviously would, with a victory on Tuesday night, bring a stranglehold on this series and go up 3-1, to one, so... You know, biggest game of the NBA season really coming up uh, ahead on Game Four, and uh, giving the Rockets need to win, or else there's not going to be really another compelling game with championship implications the rest of the season. If if the Warriors go up three to one, although we do know that the Warriors have blown three to one leads before, but um, it's the inevitability is creeping in, and it's it's foreboding, and uh, I'm not happy about it. But anyway, um, there's probably a few of you guys that enjoy watching the Warriors and appreciate their unselfishness and all that stuff, but I'm over it. I, 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 don't, I don't find it particularly that interesting anyway, especially with KD, who, by the way, makes them less – not only less likable because – and again, I don't want to – I know that I make this into a KD bashing sometimes, but the – 
they're less fun to watch as a team when you have like a nice little guy like that who obviously is a great player. I, I will never say anything about him. Not him, you know, he's a, he's a fantastic talent and a great player. But they were the Warriors were more fun to watch when they were the old school team where they, you know, Harrison Barnes is obviously not the player that Kevin Durant was, but it became more about the um, the unselfishness and the passing and less about just the pure talent of a guy like. Uh, Kevin Durant, who can score, just get his shot up on anyone. You give him an inch, and you know he doesn't even. He actually doesn't even need an inch. He doesn't need any space. He can just jump it over you, and uh, and get it up. And and uh, I don't know. Anyway, just enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Don't let me rain on your parade as you're watching the conference finals and the finals. But some other basketball from over the weekend: the Pistons GT team now two and zero after a fifty-seven to fifty-six win on Friday in New York City against Bucks Gaming. 24 points from I'm so far ahead. Insanity with the winning bucket, probably boosted by his appearance on Lockdown Pistons a couple weeks back. The Pistons GT team got the, the offensive rebound from um, from Ramo, and he passed it off to Insanity for the winning bucket with about 11 seconds left. Drama towards the end after that, though, as the Pistons got the steal but then ran out of bounds with the momentum after that. Bucks did get the ball back. Had a chance to win at the buzzer, missed the fadeaway, and the Pistons GT team now 2-0 in the young season of the inaugural NBA 2K League. That game was a rematch of the first ever NBA 2K League game during the preseason tournament a couple weeks back. But we'll be talking more about the NBA draft and the post-combine world here, hearing from Mo Wagner of Michigan, the Wolverines. He met with the media on Friday, and I've got uh, the... Uh, the breakdown of how that was, and we'll play that for you. But if your company wants to reach men between the ages of 18 and 44, you've heard me say this and you will hear me say this again, they should be sponsoring Lockdown Pistons. We are listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if that demo sounds good to you, and how could it not, this is your spot. Plus, we got reasonable rates. So email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com to find out more. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Well, we can't live in the present with the Pistons in the playoffs, but we can live in the past. So we'll be going back to 1989 a little bit later and talking about some of the glory days for the Detroit Pistons in the playoffs in the Pistons playoff playback segment which I know is your favorite as we relive the the childhoods of some of you and some of me as well. But one of the narratives that comes up uh, when we talk about the NBA draft comment, especially for some of these guys, well, only for some of these guys that leave college early, and uh, Miles Bridges and and Mo Wagner are two of those guys 
um, Michigan State and Michigan, respectively. They always talk about how you know people don't understand how tough it was for me to leave college, how tough that um, decision was. And you believe it with Miles Bridges because he could have came out last year. And the same is true for Mo Wagner as a, as a guy who – you know, did the combine process last year and decided to go back to Michigan. But a lot of these guys, it's just kind of humorous. I don't think there was a soul in the world that thought Jaron Jackson was going to come back to Michigan State. But he said after they lost that disappointing second round and lost to Syracuse that he was ready to declare that he was going to come back and take them to the Final Four. But, you know, obviously cooler heads prevailed. And smartly, uh, he decided to go to the uh, to the – the draft instead, and he should be a top five pick, possibly even a top three pick, based on that good decision. But it's just that's the new thing that you hear, the new answer from all the media um, interviews that people do is that uh, you know, you know the media, no, everyone just assumed I was leaving, but nobody understands how tough it was for me to leave college. But I wanted to say a couple words about Miles Bridges because we just kind of blew through the audio on Friday. I think he's a guy, you know, he's projected to be. As high as seven, but that seems unlikely. More towards the you know twelve to fifteen range, possibly as high as ten. But when you when you get to that level, when you're not you know a top five pick, really obviously, and this is an obvious thing to say, but it only takes one team to jump on you. So there's going to be you know, and we see it all the time. You know, there's sometimes teams just jump on that guy that. Maybe other, maybe they weren't talked about a lot in mock drafts, or maybe they were doing a good job of concealing their interest in certain guys. Maybe there's a trade up, but especially when you have teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers who are picking eighth, you have uh, the Chicago Bulls who are picking seventh. There are teams, the Sixers are up at tenth, I believe. There are teams that could be pretty good um, very soon that could use a guy like like Miles Bridges, who's probably a little bit more NBA ready than some of the guys that might get picked ahead of him. I like Miles Bridges a lot, and I know that a little bit of this is Homer, and I'm going to say a lot of the same you know, nice things about Mo Wagner when we talk about him a little bit too, but Bridges is a guy who's is an emerging jump shot. I think he can knock it down uh, throughout his career. I think he's uh, obviously a fantastic athlete, a top-shelf athlete who's been jumping out of the gym for since his high school days, but I think the athleticism and the fact that he can shoot it at this level, and the fact that he's you know he's got an experienced resume, he's been at a great program like Michigan State. I think, and someone said it on Twitter. One of the experts I saw last week said Miles Bridges is like that guy that's hiding in plain sight that we're just looking over for some reason. You know, as a guy who's had two years in the spotlight on one of the best teams in college basketball, and had that extra year where you know. NBA people were watching him very closely as a freshman. NBA fans were too. And then he has that second year. You know, sometimes you're in the spotlight too much that you get, um, you know, a little bit overanalyzed, a little bit over-scrutinized. And I think that Miles Bridges kind of falls in that category a little bit. He's had a handful of bad games, and those get dissected a little bit more when you're kind of the chosen one of sorts. Uh, a great freshman season, a great you know Rivals.com prospect coming into the year and all that. But uh, seems like a good guy as well. Um, really, you know, took to the Tom Izzo program. That is something that obviously people across the state of Michigan appreciate as well. But wanted to pass along what I thought was maybe the most interesting nugget that I came across from a Pistons perspective at the combine, in addition to the virtual reality technology that they were using that we talked about in Friday's podcast and the guys that were there for the beats, uh, they wrote about it with articles on Friday as well. But uh, Troy Brown Jr. of Oregon was one of the players who, he didn't play in the five-on-fives, but he was at the combine, did some of the workouts 
And uh, he's a guy who's projected to be you know, a late lottery pick or maybe in the early 20s at the latest, but solidly a first-round pick. Um, that was one of the players that the Pistons interviewed at the draft. Jeff Bauer and some of the staff members that are still under contract till June 30th were there and um, talked to Troy Brown. And, and a lot of the other names that they talked about were would make sense with the Pistons having just the second-round pick. You know, the uh, the Tony um, Tony Cars of Penn State's of the world, Shake Milton of uh, SMU, you know, guys that were projected to be still available and the Pistons picked. But and there's no scenario where Troy Brown falls to the middle of the second round. So is it an indication that there's a trade-up possibility? I don't know. Is it just that the the Pistons only, you know, they wanted to grab as many wings as they possibly could? Now, there's an argument to be made that you that you at that second round that you draft a point guard as kind of the next in waiting for Reggie Jackson and maybe kind of change a pace for Mish Smith off the bench as you kind of look towards the future. and the, Or with the Smith in his final year approaching uh, in a contract with the Pistons as well. Or do you try to load up on the wings that you need because you only have you know, Stanley Johnson and, and Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock as that, that two and three spot? Do you get more athleticism and, and kind of swing for the fences with the wing on your, your weakest position? Or do you try to fill in with a backup center um, as someone who could play minutes right away and possibly unseat Eric Moreland as a, as a guy who could get minutes? So with the second-round pick, I mean, Obviously, it's a second-round pick, so you take the best player that uh, that you think is out there. But it's you, you could make an argument for really any types of those those three selections. And you know, is it, is that mean that, that Jeff Bauer is going to trade up and get back in the first round? I mean, we don't even know who the president of basketball operations is for the Pistons now. We don't know who's going to be coaching this team. So it's hard to believe that they had a fully formed idea of uh, a strategy of what they were going to do at the draft combine. But uh, just interesting to hear that. But I got some interviews from the the Combine, starting with the one we're going to show today. Some other ones that we'll have throughout the week. We got a a Hall of Famer who played for the Pistons. I got my favorite NBA analyst out there these days. And also a former Oakland County star athlete who went on to a great Big Ten career. One of the first guys I saw dunk in a game at my alma mater, Kimball High School in Royal Oak. So... Those are the teases of guys coming up later this week. But today we got Mo Wagner mocked as an early second round pick most places, which is, you know, he's one of those guys that came back for his uh, next, his junior season at Michigan and really didn't help his draft stock at all. I don't know if he heard it. It's just kind of the same place where it was this time last year. Um, so if you're, but it, but then again, did make the Final Four, made it to the uh, the championship game with some of his you know great friends, and he has obvious love for John Beeline, as we'll uh, hear from him in this interview. But uh, here's Mo Wagner talking about the championship and the draft and uh, what uh, his life has been like for the last couple months. What kind of feedback you getting from teams uh, as you go through this process? I mean, a lot, obviously. Um, yeah, good ones, I think. I feel pretty comfortable talking to the teams. It's a lot of fun, and I'm just trying to enjoy the process. Can you just give us, like, maybe a step-by-step or even a day-by-day uh, look at what this process has been like for you guys in this combine? Um, it's uh, pretty diverse. It's different, you know. Every day it's some different stuff, but usually we have interviews in the morning or at night, and um, obviously this stuff is, uh, has to be done. So, um, yeah, in between I try to work out as much as I can uh, to be prepared prepare for the next couple weeks so um pretty pretty long days have you had a chance to see what nba legends are hanging around the combine yeah it's obvious i mean you, you go into interviews and then you talk to coaches and legends and 
talked to Magic Johnson yesterday, you know? Yeah, how cool is that? Like, stuff like that, and it's pretty cool. It's a business, you know, but at the same time, you got to enjoy it. Have you talked to any other former Wolverines as far as getting advice? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in good contact with all these guys from the last couple of years. Uh, DJ, obviously, Paris Levert, um, but I met a couple uh, older uh, or not older, let's just say more mature uh, Wolverines here with Rob Palenka and uh, yeah, there are a couple guys out here. What advice do they give you? I mean, just be yourself. Uh, enjoy this process. I think uh, there's no uncertainty for me anymore, so there's nothing to, to ask questions about, nothing to be unsure about at night when you fall asleep, you know? So just enjoy it, have a smile on your face and be yourself. Have you talked to John Beeline at all? Since yeah, we have a very good relationship. We talk, not almost every day, but we talk a lot. We're both busy, but we have a good relationship. What kind of advice has he given you as you guys part ways? Same thing. I mean, honestly, uh, it's, it's just more like a kind of miss... Because I, I miss the uh, the whole thing with Michigan, you know, and he misses me I hope, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good to catch up once in a while. What was the hardest part about making this decision to go to the NBA and leaving college behind? What you just said, I mean, leaving Michigan because I really like that place and to make the decision that you're not forced to, you know, like kind of, kind of make the decision to leave by myself, it's, it's very hard um, because there was another year that I could have stayed there. So it's always like home for me. I'm always going to go back and, um, yeah, I'm very grateful to have that time. How did you decide on what agent was the right fit for you? Um, that, was, that was a pretty easy decision for me just because of, uh, my agent is Karis LeVert's agent, so I had a uh, social relationship uh, prior to this, and uh, that was pretty easy. Who helped you make the decision to leave this year? Um, a lot of people, but I mean, I kind of didn't need help to be honest with you. I mean, I obviously make my research and ask a lot of people and talk to my parents about it, but I think I was pretty clear in my mind what I wanted to do and what I felt like. And what have you tried to show teams this week at the combine? You haven't been able to participate in five and five, but is there anything you've been trying to? show them their interviews, meetings, stuff like that? I mean, my main thing is just that I love basketball, you know. Uh, I ain't playing basketball to, to sit in front of the media or to, to please anyone and just be out there because I love the game so much. So uh, I think that's my main thing. But other than that, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just being myself. Now, especially from a basketball standpoint, what do you feel like going to be uh, some of the challenges that you'll face going to the next level? I think there are a lot of challenges. Number one is... 82 games is a whole nother low than 36. We had like 42 last year. I think that's something uh, a lot of rookies underestimate and have to adjust to first. So I'm going to make sure I'm on top of that. And, uh, I'm conscious about that. So taking care of your body is the biggest challenge, I think. How much playing at the national championship stage kind of prepare you to play in that exposure for the next people? It's well, a good question. I mean, it's a whole different thing. I think college basketball, you can't really compare it to to the NBA, it's such a different game of spacing and uh, what, what's a foul, what's not a foul, the defenses, and it's, it's a matchup game basically, and college is a little different, so, um, but it helps me sitting in the front of the media for like four consecutive days in the final four, so we're used to all this, so, uh, sure. Dante how, talked about how, Dante from Villanova talked about how that game changed his life. Did the final four change your life dramatically, you know, how well you played? No wonder that Dante said that, I mean, <laughs> did you watch him? Um, uh, I, yeah, it was, especially, but not because of all the bling bling around, it's more about my teammates, you know, uh, when you go through something like great like that together, it's mm -hmm. something very special. And 
uh, you're gonna carry on with the rest of your life. How'd your mom enjoy all the television time she got? Cloud Nine, man. <laughs> uh, she was on Cloud Nine. That was good to have her with her and shit. Yeah, to share that with my family. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. No real news to report on the present situation of the Detroit Pistons as they're still looking for front office members and a coaching staff and all that good stuff. Obviously, we'll be on standby all week, and we'll have, if there's coaching news, maybe we'll bust out with a special podcast right as news breaks, if that's possible for me. But obviously, every morning we'll be giving the updates on what's going on with the Detroit Pistons as news breaks, as news continues to come in. So we will see what happens there. But going back to the past, Pistons playoff playback, going back to 1989 today, the first of three straight seasons that the Detroit Pistons and Chicago Bulls would meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. And this was after two straight years where the Pistons and Celtics met in the East Finals. So that's five straight Eastern Conference Finals appearances, a number that would be bested by the going-to-work teams a couple decades later, which did six in a row, although admittedly against much weaker yearly competition in the Eastern Conference in the, the uh, mid-2000s. But 1989, this was a season coming off, to the, coming off of the Game 7 loss in the Finals to the L.A. Lakers. And the Pistons were 63-19 and 19 in their first season at the Palace of Auburn Hills, the best record in the league over the Cleveland Cavaliers and L.A. Lakers, who were tied for the second-best record in the league, six games behind the Pistons, who were 63-19. and 19. The Pistons came out going crazy in the playoffs this year, swept the Celtics in three, then swept the Bucks in four, so 7-0 and coming into the series with the upstart Chicago Bulls. Remember those Milwaukee Bucks? I kind of blacked that series out as this is still a little bit uh, hazy in my memory. I remember the NBA Finals against the Lakers this year, but uh, we're talking early you know, early childhood for me, so uh, I actually don't remember the Milwaukee series at all. Guys like Ricky Pierce, Jack Sigma, and Fred Roberts leading the Bucks back then. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember those days as well. But the first seeded Pistons came up against the surprising upstarts, the sixth sixth seeded Chicago Bulls, who took out the second and third seeds in the first two rounds of the playoffs, the Cavaliers and then the Knicks on the way to the East Finals. And then in today's Pistons playoff playback, May 21st, 1989, 29 years ago today, Game 1, Michael Jordan makes a statement. A Game 1 upset at the Palace, 94-88, 32 points from Michael Jordan in that one. And uh uh-oh, the bad boys are in trouble, maybe caught looking ahead to the L.A. Lakers in the finals. The Bulls went up 16 points in the first quarter, made a statement with a 33-17 lead early on. 14 apiece for Scottie Pippen and Craig Hodges, 12 off the bench for the immortal Dave Corzine. And the Pistons were led in scoring by a 17-point effort from none other than Ricky Mahorn 
15 and 15 for Bill Ambeer, but here were the problems for the Pistons, and that was the, the vaunted backcourt for the Pistons. Did a no-show in this one. Isaiah Thomas was 3 for 18 with 9 points, and Joe D was 5 of 16. So a combined 8 for 34 from the Hall of Fame backcourt. Not going to get it done there. But the Pistons would respond in Game 2 with a win at home and then drop Game 3 in Chicago, falling down 2-1 to one before ripping off the final three games to get back into the NBA Finals for a rematch with Magic Johnson and the Lakers, one that would work out better for the Pistons in 1989. So give us a follow on Twitter. Let me know what you think about Pistons' playoff playback. And uh, follow me at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Locked on Pistons Twitter feed there. Give us a like on the Facebook page, Locked on Pistons dash Matt Shook. Give us a rating and review and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Follow along the Locked on Lions podcast with Matt Derry of Detroit Radio as the Leos look ahead to what should probably be a Super Bowl season. If I'm uh, believing everything I'm hearing about uh, how good the offseason has gone other than uh, some some coaching controversy with the new newly hired Matt Patricia. But I want to thank you guys for listening, and uh, I'll enjoy following the news along with you guys this week. If there's any Woj bombs coming for the Detroit Pistons front office or coaching searches, and uh, we will see how it all shakes down. So this is your host, Matt Shook of Lockdown Pistons, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.